This episode is sponsored by Creative Bug. Creative Bug is the number one video subscription service for arts and crafts. Go to creativebug.com, promo code SIMPLE for a free 30-day trial. That's creativebug.com, promo code SIMPLE. Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel, clueless just like you and slowly figuring out how the adult world works week by week. And as many of you know, right now we're doing our guide for grads dedicated to the class of 2015 and helping you navigate those first few months after graduation. I don't know how many of you have read Yes, Please by Amy Poehler, but I tore through it because she's basically my idol. And she talks a lot about her first time getting hired at SNL. And she says, I like to refer to the transition period of any new job as finding out where the bathrooms are. So today we're going to talk about that finding the bathroom transitional period. And we'll narrow it down to, say, the first 30 days of your brand new job. Because for those of you who are used to spending all night cramming for a test, you'll find that strategy doesn't really work. And if you've never spent all day sitting in front of a computer, you probably will find that you have trouble focusing around 3 p.m., like me. So I asked Lindsay Pollack to join me today because she is the Hartford's millennial workplace expert and has more than a decade of experience advising both young professionals and organizations on the changing world of work. She's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Becoming the Boss, New Rules for the Next Generation of Leaders, as well as Getting from College to Career, Your Essential Guide to Succeeding in the Real World. So welcome, Lindsay. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Sam. I'm just honored to be mentioned in the same paragraph as Amy Poehler. That was very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she is. She is great. And I'm curious from you, well, for us to start with, can do you remember your first month on your very first job and what that was like? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, absolutely. I had a job between college and graduate school. It was at a four-person nonprofit in a very tiny office that we all shared together. And I had the advantage in a small environment of not having to learn too much of the navigation of a big company. But I remember just the basics of how to answer the phone professionally, how to organize my desk, how to talk to my boss, when I was sort of supposed to leave or not. I remember those things were really kind of awkward at the beginning. And and those are kinds of things that nobody really teaches you. And I will say I've been at Real Simple for... I want to say I'm hitting my nine-month mark now, and I'm still running into people and introducing myself, and I still don't know how to transfer a call or put someone on hold. <laughs> and, I, you know, there's still those things, like I think people think, you know, you're used to class where you jump right in, you get your syllabus, and you're supposed to be ready to go. But it takes more, I mean, even though we're just really talking about that first month, it takes more than a month to get used to a first job, Right. Absolutely. And if you think about it, you know, if you're coming right out of college or even high school, you've been a student your whole life. You know how to do that. Even if you had a part-time job, it wasn't the same as showing up at an office or in a work environment every day. So it's extremely common. And companies often don't give a lot of training. So a lot of it is just trial and error when you get started. Yes, a lot of it is. And they think that that makes you feel better. But I found that that made me a little bit more nervous. They were like, we're not really going to train you. Just try. And I was like, awesome. That's terrifying. So I think one of the things that made me nervous on my first job was being an intern, you don't have you're not as accountable for things. I mean, you're the intern. You're at the bottom of the totem pole. You you know, they're not giving you too much responsibility. But then 
now you're an employee and you're part of staff and you have coworkers and you're, you know, you can contribute ideas. So what do you think are the biggest responsibility and behavioral differences between you as an intern versus you as an entry-level employee and how you kind of navigate that transition? So to me, I remember thinking as an intern, I was kind of playing dress up right. in the workplace. Totally. It didn't really count. So there's always sort of the fear of, oh my gosh, this is the beginning of the rest of my life. So my first piece of advice is don't let that get in your way. This is not the first day of the rest of your life. You can make mistakes. You can change your mind. You know, this is not the be-all, end-all where it never stops. So you have to kind of not let, you know, psych yourself out in that first job. But there are more responsibilities. So I think the positive of that is everything you learn on your real job when you're full-time, you can really start to use and implement immediately. So if you learn how to transfer that phone, you get to feel really good about it the next day that you learned it. All the work that you put in pays off. So I would really dive in head first. Don't avoid things and think, well, I'll figure out how to do that later, especially in the first month or really I'd say the first three months of your job, even nine months where you are. Yeah. This is the time to ask the questions because you're still new and people understand. If two years in, you still don't know how to transfer a call, you start to look like you're not trying. So learn all that stuff now. Introduce yourself to as many people as possible. Really push yourself as much as you can to do all those things at the beginning. And I would also say sort of know that you're going to make mistakes. You're just starting out. There's a lot to learn. And the most important thing with mistakes is to own them, apologize right away, and don't make the same mistake again. But don't be too hard on yourself. It's very common. And I think everybody remembers what it's like to start a job. So use that to your advantage, but know that you have about a three to six month window for people having that level of understanding. And then they kind of move on. Okay. You just said you said so many good things there. So I want to try to break out some of that advice you just gave. So one of the things that you brought up that I think is important with the, those that first month is asking questions and asking for help. And I think it's hard to know when to ask for help and when to figure it out by yourself, because there are things that you could you know, do a little bit of digging and do on your own. And you want to come off as independent and you don't want to, you know, knock on your boss's door every single time you have a question. But there are also times when it's totally appropriate to ask for help. It's appropriate to reach out. It helps you get to know your coworkers. And, you know, one of my coworkers is still, I'm still tapping her on the shoulder every day for questions. And it's, I feel like it helped us get closer so much more quickly than it would have if I would have avoided asking and just stared at my computer all day. So how do you figure out if your questions are, worth bothering people, not bothering people, but asking versus figuring it out on your own? So if you can answer the question by either reading the manual, the employee (laughs) handbook, the manual for the printer, or by Googling it, don't ask anyone. So if it's a factual how-to question, try it first, because it's much better to go to a boss or colleague with something already started and ask for help rather than saying, how do I do this? Because then they have to start with the basics. So show that you're willing to get part of the way that you can figure some things out for yourself. And then I think you want to ask questions about the nuance, the culture of the office, the things that you wouldn't be able to learn on your own. Right. That's a good one. And then what about introducing yourself to people? So how do you, in that first month, start to foster relationships? What's the best way to get to know everyone in the office? What have you found are the best ways to kind of start relationships with coworkers, mentors, bosses, everyone that you're going to work with? 
So start relationships early and often, as many people as you can meet without, you know, jumping around the office, introducing yourself at every single desk and being annoying. You want to try to meet as many people as you can in a natural way. I don't love the idea of asking everyone for coffee because it's kind of a big commitment on both sides. I think you can really just be walking over to someone's desk and say, hi, I'm Sam. We haven't met yet. I'm new. I try to use like the masthead of the magazine to see who I've who I know on the masthead and who I haven't met yet. And then I, that's smart. like my attendance list <laughs> for who <laughs> I, I still need really to get smart. to know. So let's talk about the your the actual job, the nine to five. I think something that's hard for people, like we said, if they're night owls and they're used to cramming all night, is to get used to that nine to five schedule and accomplishing your to do list you know, starting the day with a list and finishing the day feeling accomplished. And everyone has their own systems, which I think comes with years, not just one month. But what do you think is the best way to set up a good system for yourself to feel as productive and efficient as possible at your nine to five job? I think you're very astute that that's something that takes years. So I'll give you some wisdom from my years. You have to figure out what works for you. So I think it's really smart to listen to a lot of different people's strategies, but know that you're going to find your own system. So I'll give you a couple of examples of systems. One is to write absolutely everything down, and I'm a proponent of that. I always carried a notebook around and literally wrote down every single thing so that I had a record. Some people have a philosophy of sitting down at their desk first thing in the morning before they even check email and doing the single most important thing they know they have to get done that day getting it done in the morning and everything else is gravy. Other people check email four times a day only and don't get in the habit of watching that little pink come in every second. That really depends on what kind of boss you have and whether you can manage that way. Other people set three big priorities for the day and try to get those three big things done. One thing you can do at the very beginning is say to your boss, you know, I just want to make sure I'm prioritizing correctly could you let me know the top three priorities today so I can be sure to deliver on those? You can kind of rely a little bit on your manager for that. The other thing I'll say for the stamina issue, which is real, I mean, it's a different schedule than a lot of people are used to, is you've got to give yourself breaks. I think a lot of beginners in the workplace forget that it's okay to walk around the block or take a half an hour for lunch or go grab a coffee. If you try to bang through eight hours straight, you're never going to make it. Great. And what about For people that are a little type A like me, I realize that sometimes you can't get everything done in one day. And unlike, you know, a paper where it's due tomorrow and you finish it by tomorrow, sometimes your to-do list has lingering items at the end of the day. What's your recommendation for learning to leave work at work, which I think is really important and hard to do? It's very hard to do, and and I find a lot of young people, you know, bring it with them. So they'll answer emails at night, and that seems to be kind of the culture of a lot of workplaces. But I interviewed somebody from my book, Becoming the Boss, and I remember he said it would be physically impossible for anyone on earth these days to literally get everything done, answer every email, get every task done. Like, we've just sort of outgrown that concept as a society, it seems, where there's just endless work. So you have to call it a day at some point. And I think that's where priorities come in, number one. What do you absolutely, positively have to get done today? And then you make sure that you finish those things. You also want to make sure that if you have a big project that you're making a little bit of progress on it. So I'm a really big fan of of scheduling things, and I'm very type A too, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) But scheduling things really tightly in my calendar, like I will schedule an email time or speech preparation or things that you think, oh, I'll just get to that when I get to it. Social media, if that's part of your job, 
schedule it on your calendar. Don't just hope that you get to it when there's a little bit of extra time. Also, being pretty serious about not doing the things that are unimportant. You know, a lot of people waste tons of time on email. Email is awful. Like, it just never ends. That's another something else I've learned is that you will never get your inbox totally to zero unless, you know, I don't know, the apocalypse comes or something like that. <laughs> Some people do that. They declare email bankruptcy and just delete everything. I, did I wish I could do that. I meant to mention, this is my new trick that I read about in a book recently. It was by Gretchen Rubin, who wrote a book called Better Than Before. Um, she's also the author of The Happiness Project. And she said, sometimes you just have to schedule on your calendar, which she calls a power hour, and you just power through as many emails as you possibly can in that hour or that 20 minutes. And I'm used, I've used that because it kind of feels fun. It's like, I'm in a power hour. I'm going to yeah. like plug in, get it done. And you really get through things quickly when you totally focus. So that's one strategy when you really have to get something done, put on your headphones, close your door and just power through it. And sometimes that can make you a little bit hyperproductive. Cool. We'll be right back with Lindsay to talk about the inevitable when you make a mistake at work. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Adulthood Made Easy is brought to you by Creative Bug. Now, I just heard about this, but it seems like a great service, especially if you love DIY, arts and crafts, all of that fun stuff. You can take online classes like YouTube for crafts in sewing, paper crafts, artwork, jewelry making, whatever you like. And they have beginner things for someone like me who doesn't craft a lot or advanced if you've been doing this for a while. You have unlimited access to hundreds of online classes and they're adding new classes every week. And you can learn from top designers and artists in each field. Every month you earn a credit and you can save your favorite classes with that credit forever. So if this sounds good to you and it sounds good to me, sign up at creativebug.com for a premium membership. And if you use the code SIMPLE, you get the first 30 days for free. So go to creativebug.com or download the Creative Bug mobile app Use the promo code SIMPLE and you get a free 30-day trial. So, Lindsay, I think we should talk about making mistakes. And I have made plenty. I've made them at internships and I've made them in the last nine months. You know, when you schedule something for your boss that completely conflicts with something else and she can't make both meetings or you are supposed to do a presentation and you forgot to put it on the thumb drive so you don't have anything to present or you book a flight for your boss going to the wrong place or at the wrong time and that's going to happen in the first 30 days and it's going to happen in the second 30 days and what do you do I know you talked about it a little bit in the beginning but I think we should dive into to the the crisis management plan I think it's really important to think about because you're right, it's going to happen for your whole career. And I, I kind of want to approach it from two sides now that I'm in this point. Okay. Making the mistakes myself, but also being the boss for whom mistakes were made. So I want to tell yeah. you from both perspectives. Great. When you make a mistake, own it, apologize for it, and fix it. And then don't make it again and don't dwell on it. So what I've learned from doing it myself, I used to over-apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry again. Just want to let you know again how sorry I am. That bugs people and it draws more attention to the problem. You also don't want to say I messed up. You want to say I messed up and here are my suggestions for how I can fix it. I put you on the wrong plane. I'm so sorry. I've already looked into three additional flights and I will pay for the change fee myself. So you're okay. already offering options to the person you've made the mistake for. So own it quickly. Come up with solutions quickly 
and then don't make the mistake again and don't dwell on it. What really is irritating to your boss is when the same kind of mistake happens regularly. That's when you put your job at risk. Mm-hmm. What mistakes probably seem bigger to us, but from a boss's perspective, are actually not that big of a deal and that you can just kind of move on quickly? Well, I think the trick is you have to know your boss and what bothers Mm -hmm. or doesn't bother that individual person. So there's a great concept. There's a book called The First 90 Days, which is so appropriate to this topic uh, by Michael Watkins, who's a Harvard Business School professor. And it's actually for people in their first 90 days of managing others. And it says during that time, you have to have what he calls the style conversation, which is, okay, Sam, we're going to be working together. You know, what's your general email style? Do you come in early or late? You know, what time do you usually like me to show up in the morning and leave in the evening? Do you have any pet peeves, et cetera? So when I hired my assistant, I said, look, here are the things. I'm just such a stickler for grammar and spelling. It really bugs me when those kinds of mistakes are made. Or if you give me an itinerary, can you triple check time zones and details? You know, it's really hard for me. I travel a lot. I need to rely on you for that. I think it's equally important for you as the employee and your manager to have that discussion and say, okay, what are the things that are absolutely crucial? And not that you're going to mess up everything else, but you know what kind of work to double or triple check. Great. And I think this sort of overlaps with another another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is what happens when you feel overwhelmed? Because I think people in their first job are so inclined to be the yes person, to take on everything whenever they're given a new opportunity or a task or a project. Yes, I can do it. Yes, I would love to do it because, you know, we're taught that that's how you're going to get ahead. And that's how you impress people is to, you know, never, never turn something away. But what happens when you realize your plate is way too full and you're feeling way too overwhelmed? How do you have that conversation without coming off as, you know, weak or lazy or can't handle things? It's a great question, especially for the the type A's out there. A couple of things. One is everything doesn't have to be a conversation with your boss or your manager. Mm -hmm. You can talk to your friends. You can talk to colleagues. You can rely on people who are maybe a year or two ahead of you in your position. How did you handle this when you were so-and-so's assistant? You know, what are some strategies? So lean on people other than your boss. You might find mentors in your workplace or outside of your workplace who've been around a long time and can give you advice, especially from a boss's perspective. Also, if you work at a bigger company or even if you belong to a professional association or maybe an alumni association from your college, there are so many resources available to ask these kinds of questions. I guarantee anything you're struggling with, millions of people have struggled with before you, not that right. you're not important and your challenges aren't there, but there's so many resources, even employee benefits. Companies offer employee assistance programs to help you de-stress. Some companies now offer yoga or a gym membership, you can always talk to your HR representative. So make sure that you remember that your company probably offers you a benefits package of insurance, discounts, other kinds of benefits that can be really important and helpful, particularly when it comes to stress. I know from working with the Hartford that stress claims, anxiety, depression, all those issues can cause young people to take disability leave. They can get that serious, but you really want to rely on all the sources you have. And if you choose to talk to your boss, I think the question is really, just want to let you know my plate's getting a little bit full. Can you help me prioritize? I'd really appreciate your input on what I can do. But really rely on everybody. Don't put all the pressure on your relationship with your boss. And is there ever or what's the appropriate way to say, no, I can't take that new project on? You know, from the perspective of being a manager myself, I don't want to hear no a lot. I want to hear 
something along the lines of, well, what are the top priorities? Here are the things I have on my plate. How should I prioritize those? Or could I delegate this or share this with somebody else to make sure this gets done for you? So I think you always want to have the perspective of meeting your manager or your client's needs, Mm -hmm. but showing that there are limitations to that. And I also liked what you said about reaching out to, if you're part of an alumni network, I recently was feeling a little overwhelmed and needed help figuring out a work issue and called my old advisor from college. And just, oh, that's great. You know, it's like you have a lot of people at your fingertips that aren't just your coworkers that I think people forget about. My old intern coordinator, I still talk to her. She's, you know, not even at the same brand or company, but I still talk to her regularly for job advice. And I think that that's a good lesson to keep those those professional contacts close, especially when you're just starting out and you need maybe some objective advice from people not in your company. I love that. Don't ever be afraid to ask for help. It's always out there and there's always somebody who's been through a similar challenge. Well, this has been great. I've loved talking to you. You have a lot of wonderful things to say about that first month and I wish I'd known them way back when, but I'll definitely keep them all in mind as I continue on my first year at Real Simple. I'm curious if you have one piece of like golden advice for anyone starting out at their first job, like anything that everyone should keep in mind when they walk in the door that first day. The very best piece of advice I ever got at the beginning of my career is build your contacts. You need other people to succeed. It makes work more fun. It makes you more successful. It helps build opportunities. So those relationships, that walking around and meeting people, even the better relationship you have with your boss, if you make a mistake, you can rely on that trust. Relationships and other people are crucial. That is what work is all about. And it makes it much more enjoyable. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I have no doubt you will be successful, Sam. Oh, thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today for Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover next time, things you're worried about after graduation, just tweet them to me at Samsabell and I'll add them to my list. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. And if you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to buy a copy of the book that has all the answers, The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold.